It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the build-up as we get ready for tonight's game against the Hurricanes. The Sharks are coming off a tough loss, 4-0 to the Caps on Saturday night. Now, we all knew it was going to be a tough game heading in, and the game itself played out very similar, to, and the game played out pretty close to how I thought it would. If you missed Morning Tide, which you can listen to anytime on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, I had a couple of big takeaways. One was that the Sharks at 8-8-1 on the year are not very different from what I and many others expected them to be. The other takeaway was that there was a bit of a reality check for the team because the 4-0 start seems a long way in the rearview mirror. The 3-2-1 feel-good stretch with the call-ups from the American League due to the COVID outbreak, that's well behind them. So this is the narrative now. The roster, the guys, it's on them to take care of business and keep themselves in the hunt. And they have another tough challenge in the Carolina Hurricanes tonight at 7.30 from SAP Center. The Tampa Bay Lightning were dealt a tough blow with regards to Braden Point as he took an upper body injury during their 5-3 loss to the Devils on Saturday after he was tripped by defenseman Ryan Graves and went hard into the boards. Point did finish the game, but Tampa said there was no timetable on his return, or at least that's how they made it sound as the team was waiting for more information, which usually means an MRI for swelling to go down or for clearer Im imagery. So as we get more information on that, we'll see how it affects the two-time defending champions. Minnesota Wild forward Brian Hartman has been fined the maximum $4,250 for slew-footing Tampa Bay Lightning forward Ross Colton. This announcement made per the league's Department of Player Safety earlier today. At the time, Hartman was assessed a minor penalty for tripping. The money will go to the Players' Emergency Assistance Fund. The Avs' Nathan McKinnon could be back soon for the Avs. He's been out the past four games with a lower body injury. And Colorado head coach Jared Bednar said that McKinnon could be back on their upcoming road trip that starts on the 1st of December. That means McKinnon will miss about four games this week. The good news for the Avs and bad news for everyone else is that Colorado has won four straight since McKinnon was injured. He's no longer on Vegas, so we can stop pretending to dislike him. Marc-Andre Fleury got his first shutout with Chicago, making 40 saves, helping the Blackhawks blank the Canucks 1-0. By the way, Fleury owns Vancouver 13-0-2 in his last 15 starts against them. The Senators have returned to practice for the first time since their COVID outbreak. They were able to skate on Saturday, but prior to that, their training facility had been closed since the 15th. Of this month, when their following three games against the Devils, Predators, and Rangers were postponed, the Senators had not practiced since the 5th of November and have not played since a 4-0 loss to the Flames on the 14th. Right now, Ottawa is scheduled to play tonight against the Avs before they come here to San Jose on Wednesday night. The Senators' games postponed by the COVID outbreak were the first of the year that were postponed. Last year, 55 games were postponed, but all were made up. 
Scores out of yesterday, the Flames blank the Bruins 4-zip. Tampa 5-4 shootout winners over the Wild. The Rangers get past the Sabres 5-4. Toronto shuts down the Islanders 3-0. Like we mentioned, Marc-Andre Fleury's 1-0 shutout for Chicago over Vancouver. The Kraken take down the Caps 5-2. And Arizona in overtime over the Kings 2-1. And now for a preview of tonight's matchup and to bring you up to speed on everything going on with Carolina, we are now joined by the play-by-play voice of the Hurricanes. It is Mike Maniscalco. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, Doing excellent. Can't wait to get to this matchup tonight. Of course, uh, when you go on the road and when you come from east to west, not really sure what day it is. I just know (laughs) it's a game day and can't wait to get to... uh, puck drop here tonight yeah I, I can assure you that it is a game day you know what game of the week uh, can elude me at times but you are correct we will be having a game tonight whatever night that may be uh <laughs> let's start out thirty thousand foot view on carolina right now i can make a pretty good argument with why this is the best team in the nhl and maybe there are some other teams that will disagree with me like florida for instance but you know just what's your take on everything you've seen up to this point uh, I think it's the fact that this team has so much depth, the consistency with which they play every single night, Ted. And, and not only that, uh, they have so many different ways to beat you. And then you can put, bring in the addition of Frederick Anderson, who I, I can make the case in a 5-4 game last time out Saturday against the Kings that Frederick Anderson stole the game for the Canes with his performance in the third period. Uh, Sebastian Ajo and Andre Sveshnikov are having all-star seasons not just with how they're playing with the puck, but what they're doing away from the puck. And then they get the the scoring from the defense. Tony D'Angelo has been uh, exactly what they wanted when they signed him to, I'm not going to say take the place of Dougie Hamilton, but they needed somebody to run the power play, get points from the blue line. He's done that, but pretty much everyone on the blue line has contributed in in their ways. And that's, for me, the 30,000-foot look. And then when you have Rod Brindamore as a head coach, who he seems to push every button, at the right time to get the most out of this team, to get everybody. And I can give you all of the cliches about pulling the rope the same way, but just the fact that he knows what makes this team tick. He knows how to talk to them about it. And he doesn't overreact to things. He's got such a great feel behind the bench. If things aren't going right to make subtle changes with the lines or maybe not so subtle changes with the lines. And that's how this team has gotten to 14 and two in their first 16 games. And this has been building for a while. I mean, it took a while for Carolina to get back into the playoffs, but now that they've arrived as one of these, in my opinion, contending teams, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, obviously, but I mean, I I feel like I've been able to see this coming. Is that how you view it? Yeah. Well, there was a, there was a long journey through the wilderness, you know, nine years without the playoffs, but uh, since Rod has taken over as the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, his first year, there's that run to the conference finals and, I think that that got everybody energized and and rejuvenated in hockey with this team because you kind of saw the maturity of the young players that we were counting on that, all right, this is going to be the year, this is going to be the year. Well, then you finally saw that year. And now the the two seasons after that run to the conference finals has been the same thing. It's been the momentum building to this point to get to this spot where Carolina, and, and the thing for me is why they've been so good this year they play the exact same way at home on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, we always hear, you know, the, the lineup matters and line changes matter and, and getting the last change matters. It doesn't matter to this team right now because they roll out who they need to roll out because they have finally acquired that depth where they're comfortable with every line. You know, everybody who is in the lineup is an NHL player. And, and you know, that that's hard 
for every organization, even the best organizations. Sometimes you have somebody playing out of place or, you know, is maybe rushed to, to the league or you're adding a piece that doesn't fit, but you needed one. Every piece that the Hurricanes have right now is a piece that fits the puzzle, and that's why they've gotten to this place. Do you think that there's any difference in terms of the team's mindset, maybe since there is now a wider level of expectation from them around the league? Absolutely not. Um, and they will tell you, and I, I've heard this before from from athletes, you know, we don't listen to the outside stuff. This group doesn't listen to the outside stuff. They don't care because their expectation is they should be one of the best teams in the league. They should be a Stanley Cup champion. So uh, th those talks now that people are taking this team far more serious to be a Stanley Cup winner than what they were maybe even a year ago mm -hmm. doesn't matter to them because that's the expectation in the room. Let's talk Seth Jarvis because obviously we're hearing a lot of noise uh, about this guy right now. Um, you know, what were you expecting? I, if, if you said this, I will be very impressed. I don't think that's going to be your answer, but where are you right now with the, with this guy's play? Every single game, more and more impressed with it. He's 19 years old, and you could convince me he's a seven-year veteran in the league the way he plays. Head's always up, puts himself in the right place, uh, has found the ability to put himself on the fourth line and generate offense. In uh, the last few games, he has been on the Canes' top line, quote-unquote, with Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov and doesn't look out of place. Did I expect this? No, uh, I don't think, I don't think if, if everybody's doing real talk, I don't think anybody expected this, but if you go and watch him at the rookie tournament that the Canes had that involved Nashville, Florida and Tampa, he was the best player in that tournament by miles, by miles. I mean, he, he stood out every time he had the puck, something good happened. He is so responsible in his own end, again, for a 19-year-old uh, to be able to do that. And, and just his demeanor. I mean, once you get around him, but were the expectations? That's, no, absolutely not. But as training camp, as rookie camp went to training camp, and there wasn't really a rookie camp this year. There was just that rookie tournament. But as training camp opened up and he got a chance to play in the exhibition preseason games, what he was doing in the rookie tournament, he was doing in the preseason. And – he just basically made this decision for the front office, for the coaching staff, with his play, that he's an NHL-ready player. And you'll see it tonight that he does not get caught out of position. Uh, his wheels are I, – I don't want to go elite, but I think he's faster than most people when you look at him anticipate him to be. And his hockey IQ is off the charts. So, yeah, I don't think anybody was going to sit here and say that he's going to come into this contest on a three-game goal-scoring streak and have four goals and – you know, make the team and, and not be returned to junior this year. And it looks like he will not be returned to junior. <laughs> That's the big, the big thing is that uh, Rod Brigmore told us, could have told you that eight games ago, but uh, I don't, I don't think we anticipated this high a level of play. Cause there's, there's always a learning curve, right? Mm -hmm. But now he's, he's the guy who's thrown off the bell curve. He's the guy who like, when I was in his class, he made me mad because he'd get the hundred when I got like the, the 64. I'm like, come on, just give me one more point to get a, a passing grade. He's, He's that good, and uh, he's going to be uh, a difference maker in this league because he's already a difference maker now for this team. Does it remind you of when Sebastian Ajo was kind of breaking out in the 2016-2017 season a bit ahead of schedule? Uh, very similar, very similar. Uh, and kind of in the same way, I don't think anybody had that expectation of Sebastian Ajo. Of course, uh, there's a little bit different expectations from a second-round pick versus a first-round pick, but... Uh, if you watched him play, similar games. 
And that's uh, a pretty good thing to point out on your end where when you see, uh, I think Sebastian has uh, a little bit more offensive upside uh, at that point, their mm-hmm. rookie year. But uh, the thing for, for Seth Jarvis, what he is able to do, he goes to the front of the net. You know, he goes to the places where you got to score goals in this league. Uh, he, he plays much bigger than what he's listed at in the, in the program, which I believe is, you know, five five eleven. Uh, and that's that's the thing for me that stood out. But, yeah, kind of in, in the similar use, you know, Ajo came up and was put on the wing as a rookie. He wasn't put as a center right away because there wasn't a lot of, of thought, you know, could he handle the, the demands at center? Jarvis is a, a center naturally, so one day we'll probably see him in the middle in Carolina. But uh, that's a pretty good similarity, a good comparison to put uh, someone like Seth Jarvis to Sebastian Ajo from Ajo's first year. What did you see in the losses against Florida and or Philadelphia, other than the fact that those are two good teams? Uh, Two completely different losses. Uh, Canes dominated the Flyers, uh, but the Flyers took advantage of uh, a sag in play for five minutes and and won that game two to one. Uh, The Florida game, the Canes just didn't have it uh, coming out of the locker room. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's going to happen for an 82-game season. There's going to be games where you don't have it. And if you go down 4 nothing to a team like Florida after the first period, I know there's 40 minutes left, and we've seen monster comebacks already a ton this year in the league. But against a team like Florida, uh, you've just dug yourself too big of a hole to think that you could come back from that one. So uh, they just weren't, for lack of any better term, they just weren't ready to start that game. Uh, there was a call early that I think kind of tilted things against Jacob Slavin, a tripping call that was uh, honestly, and yes, I'm wearing Carolina Hurricanes glasses when I make the <laughs> statement, I don't know if you call that penalty 37 seconds in, uh, but that's one of those things where it kind of shifted the game. At least it shifted the first period. Uh, The game wasn't scrambly, but there was a a ton of penalties, a ton of special teams play. Uh, And, you know, it was, it was an off night and there's going to be another one in the game's future somewhere. Uh, They've also been lucky a few games they've had off nights, but they've, they've had the ability to overcome a bad period by putting two good periods together when that does happen. And that's something else. When I talk about this team that impresses me every night, they can be up for nothing. They can be down for nothing. Their demeanor on the bench doesn't change. You know, they don't hang their heads. Their shifts don't, they don't get greedy and have guys taking a minute and a half shifts. They, they continue to stick with what the game plan is, mm-hmm. even uh, on those few nights when they've been a little bit off to start the game or maybe have a, you know, a lapse in play for five, 10 minutes. But uh, in the two losses, it's, it's funny, we're 16 games in, and I can I can vividly point out the losses <laughs> in my mind, uh, how they happened. And um, But they'll tell you, and, and Rod Brindamore, this is why he, for me, is the best coach in the league. He'll tell you, they've won games this year they should have lost. That Philadelphia game, they should have won. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's how this team plays. In the losses, if you're going to get to Carolina, and if, if you're trying to open me up for what's the secret for winning the game, uh, one, I'm sworn to secrecy on that. But if if you're going if you're going to get to them, you have to match their work level. You have to match their compete, and that's the thing that this team does, night in, night out, shift in, shift out. For the most part, their their compete level, their work level stays right where it is uh, for 60 minutes. So that's how you beat them. Because if if the other teams have a sag in play, this Canes team is very fast, very talented very aggressive they get on top of the opponent hang on to the puck and just grind teams down well if it makes you feel any better even if i brought that information to bob bugner i'm sure he'd probably have someone toss me out of the dressing room regardless 
Like, I don't care if you work for the Sharks, Ted. Get out of here. Where no one's listening to you. Um, what are, what are your perceptions of the Sharks right now? You know, this is still a team with a lot of pride, obviously, that has a lot of pieces of those teams that made deep runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs previously, but obviously is is not the same team. No, it's not. But we know that your goaltender very well in James Reimer, mm-hmm. and uh, and I am so happy for James to see how well he has played this year for this team because he is such a I don't know how much you've had the opportunity, but he is such a joy to talk to away from the game. Yeah, uh, one of those, one of those, as you like to call, hockey personalities. Oh, he has that in, in droves. So, uh, I think that the perception is still the same thing when you look at at the Sharks. They've got a decor that will hurt you if you are not smart and don't gap up on them because it's still Eric Carlson and it's still Brent Burns and they're still capable of taking over a shift. <clears throat> and then, kind of. What I've noticed in, in when you do like some self-scouts, and again, if I ever brought a scouting report to Rod Brindamore, he'd be like, why are you here? Nice <laughs> to see you, Mike, but you can leave anytime. Um, but I think it, it's kind of what we've seen, and I hate to do this. I know we're in San Jose, and I understand the California rivalries with the Kings and the Ducks, but you know, everybody thought you come out to California, this is going to be easy wins this year, right? At the start of the year goes to let you know how much the pundits know <laughs> because you got a bunch, a bunch of question marks and a bunch of kids. Well, the young kids have, have taken the opportunity and made the most of it and, and made these teams deeper, more difficult to play against. So, you know, I, I look at this Sharks team. You still have Timo Meyer, You still have Thomas Hurdle. Uh, and, and they're very capable of, of having a big night against anybody in the league. But now you're starting to see a couple of young guys in the lineup. And I think that Bob Bugner, I, I knew him as a player. <laughs> we know him as a coach. Kind of the same the same mold as, as Rod Brindamore. He demands his team to play hard to play tough and play for 60 minutes so that's what i've noticed out of this sharks team that you, you can't have that five ten minute gap because bob bugner demands his team to play 60 minutes as well so uh, that's what i've noticed a little bit and you can tell me if i'm wrong on that but that's that's just my view of the sharks from thirty thousand feet no no and i, I think uh, i think you nailed it i think there is a lot of compete in this team and i think that's one of the interesting narratives for the sharks up to this point is they've won games they're not supposed to, whether it's been because they were shorthanded due to COVID or for one reason or another, but they've come up with some big wins that people were, you know, I, I don't think that's where the gamblers were looking at if they were, you know, trying to uh, be the Sharps on those games. They did not see the Sharks in that position, but I think that's also why we are heading into a pretty pretty entertaining game tonight. But I know you got stuff to do, Mike. I appreciate your time, and I will try and uh, run you down before the broadcast tonight. All right, great. I'll, I'll see you up in the press box. Again, that was Mike Maniscalco of the Carolina Hurricanes joining us here on the buildup after the last loss on Saturday night against the Caps. Sharks head coach Bob Bugner was asked if there was any sort of a common thread in the games the Sharks have been losing lately, which Bob Bugner essentially summed up by saying like, hey, you got to score goals. Uh, common threads, I don't know. Uh, we talked about in between periods of you know sticking around the blue and, and uh, cementing ourselves a little bit more around the uh, crease. There was definitely some rebounds and opportunities there. Uh, a couple times we flew by the blue, we didn't quite stop our feet. Uh, you know, it's tough to critique. I mean, we've, we miss a couple great chances. I mean, Cooch had one where we missed the net. He was trying to go to the top corner. Uh, Bonesy had one backdoor tap in. Um, you know, and, and give Samson off some credit. He made a lot of big saves as well. I think, um, yeah, the only thing you can do is you got to go back to the well and you got to keep putting pucks to the net. You know, we only, I think we only produced 21, 22 shots tonight. Uh, and saying that, we didn't give up much either. So, um, 
you know, was, was, I thought we played a pretty pretty hard game, and uh, uh, we just couldn't get that bounce. And it's tough when you're not scoring goals, and you know. Um, Tough to win hockey games one nothing in this league. And it's not going to be any easier with Jonathan Dolan out at least till midweek. That's what Bob Bugner said at practice yesterday. But the Sharks have recalled a player in Scott Reedy from the San Jose Barracuda. 22 years old. He's been in 12 games for the CUDA this year. He's got 12 points, eight goals, four assists. So hopefully he can help the Sharks get on their way to recording a win and putting some pucks in the back of the net, something that has not been too easy for them as of late. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of The Buildup. I will see you all tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.